Welcome to this week's episode of the Founder and the Force Multiplier podcast, where we explore how founders and leaders work together with their right-hand partners to turn ideas into action and build wildly successful businesses. Hi, David and Jeremy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks hey, for Hallie. Hey, guys. So let's just get, get right into it. So David, you co-founded Capacity in 2017. Why was your first hire an executive assistant? I believe that a great EA is like having a great partner without, I, I, I know myself well enough to know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. I know myself well enough to know that I need someone who can help me drive and be more effective. And it truly is a force multiplier when you bring on a great executive assistant to work with CEO, particularly in a startup mm. where you don't have a lot of structure, you don't have a lot of process, it's all hands on deck. Having a great EA is is a difference maker. What does what does did that maybe like first six months to twelve months look like working with the with an EA versus what it what the partnership looks like today? I think when you start an organization, you are trying to fly the plane as you're building it in the air, and so there was a lot of in that first kind of six months, a lot of time of doing anything from finding office space to doing an incorporation data to getting our first recruits on. We didn't have a recruiter when we started. Jeremy was our recruiter. Jeremy was our office administrator. Jeremy was our keep the lights on person for 12 different areas of the organization. And and today, how does that, like, how do, how do you work together today? What does that look like? How are you communicating? How are you managing projects and priorities? Yeah, I mean, first thing is we do a weekly one-on-one where I, despite my hectic schedule, I, I try to make that every single week and not move it, not make it a, I'll punt it to next week sort of thing. We also are obviously very big on using Slack. We're communicating with each other all day, back and forth on Slack. We also use capacity to help automate certain things. So answering certain types of questions that I would have to go to Jeremy for before. I've got the bot to answer some of that stuff as well. And then the other thing I would say is, and this was, I think this is really important. In my last company, I worked about the same amount. So 60 hours or so a week, but I had a very up and down schedule. So it was very different from day to day, very different from week to week. There wasn't a lot of norms around what that could look like. So one night I might be home for dinner with my wife at 5.30, another wife, another night, another wife, that would be <laughs> another night I might be home at closer to 8.30. And so when we started this company, one of the things that Jeremy and I worked through is what would the ideal calendar look like? Mm-hmm. How can we take what's still going to be a lot of work, but try to create some discipline around, like for me, every Monday and Wednesday night, I work late. Every Tuesday night, I do a date night with my wife. Thursday nights kind of flex. I take a kind of work Sabbath, email Sabbath, Slack Sabbath from Saturday afternoon to Sunday afternoon. And so figuring out those rhythms was really helpful because then also for Jeremy, it's like, oh, Jeremy knows David's working late on Wednesday. Jeremy knows not to ping David at seven o'clock on a Tuesday when I'm on date with my wife. So it's that, that kind of rhythm, getting that set up right from the beginning was crucial to making sure we can both be optimally productive. 
Yeah. So it sounds like you had a very intentional conversation about not just the calendar, but to, in my mind, it's also about, you know, work-life balance. And that was obviously maybe important to you. But I'm also curious for both of you, like what is your philosophy around work-life balance? It's such a you know buzzword these days, but what does that really mean to each of you? And and how are you engaging in that and also engaging in that with the conversation with the rest of your company? Is it just between the two of you or does that sort of philosophy permeate the rest of your organization? Yeah, so I think early on what we did when we were smaller, we instituted Wednesday Worklight across the company. It wasn't necessarily required, but it was encouraged and we'd get some dinner and we just work on brainstorming and building and figuring out creative solutions to the problems that we had. And so that was kind of showing like, hey, we're, we're inviting you to join us on this kind of structured ideal week calendar. And then I think as the company has grown, it, it shows up in different ways. Like, for example, David's very clear about, like he mentioned, his 24-hour, no email, no Slack, you know, block on the weekends. And then we also instituted before. So Slack did not have the feature to schedule messages initially. And so we had an, I think we had an extra bot or something that we added to do this, but now thankfully Slack has that built in where you can actually schedule a message. So David has done a lot, a lot better job of, Hey, you know, if it's midnight and he's working late on Wednesday and he has a crazy idea and he wants to send it to someone, you know, he can send it to them, but they don't get a ping at midnight. They get it the next morning during work hours. And so he's able to schedule that. So just being intentional with things like that has, I think has shown the team that, you know, we respect their, their personal life and their family time. And we're, we're going to work hard and we're going to work a lot, but we're going to also rest well and, and take time off. Yeah. I really appreciate that. You're so transparent about it and that you're really leading uh, David, especially you're leading by example, because very often people will say that's what they believe in their organization, but then the leader and sometimes the EA, they're not, they're not operating that way at all. They're, they're totally disrupting everyone else's life. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jeremy came from a previous, previous gig where it was pretty expected that he was on call mm. through the weekends. Mm. And uh, I don't know, I think in the last year, how many times have we talked on the weekend? Maybe three times. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Rare. Something yeah. like that. So, yeah, I think it starts from the top. I, I also, I don't love the term work-life balance because it connotates like, hey, I've got this scale. And if I just put enough work here or enough personal time here, then then it'll all just kind of even out. I, I like to think of more work-life wholeness mm -hmm. where you are wholly in what you are doing when you're doing it. So if I'm at my aquarium field trip, I am not checking Slack. I am wholly in while I am there. Conversely, when I'm working, I am working. I'm not essing around to use an arrested development phrase. I, I like I'm two feet in. When I'm on my date night with my wife, I'm not out, you know, firing through emails and and, and doing stuff like that. So I kind of think of it less as, hey, we just have to go tip the scales and get them all everything in this equal balance. You're going to have times in your life where personal things are per personal time needs to have a bigger dial up or certain work seasons that where things are going to have to dial mm -hmm. up. 
but it's more about are you being whole? Are you wholly in, two feet in, whatever you're doing at all time? And I can say I have many leadership challenges, failures, issues, flaws. And Jer Jeremy knows all of them. Even Jeremy, do you want to share all of those with us? Or? We don't have time. We don't have time. For, for a different day. But I, I haven't met anyone who's like, you know what, that David really, he's really not two feet in and what he does. And that that's, those are the types of people we want to work with. Totally. Yeah, completely agree. I, I don't want, we don't love the work-life balance at our company either. We call it work-life presence, which is very much what you're calling it, that work-life, whole, that wholeness. So obviously time is something that you guys probably talk about a lot. And it sounds like you're constantly optimizing time in your work days. And clearly that's what capacity helps teams with is saving time, solving major issues for teams, reducing time spent searching for information, answering repetitive tasks. So how is, you know, what do people need to know in order to embrace AI automation and tools like Capacity and other tool language tools like ChatGPT? It's clearly at the heart of your organization. Like, what do people need to know? Yeah, so let's, let's kind of start at the top. If you look at the history of computing, it's been a history of taking machines and abstracting away different interfaces. So my dad was an electrical engineer. He worked on physical computers with switches and, mm -hmm. and and physical devices and then punch cards and then DOS and then Windows and then web and now mobile apps. So each time what we're doing is we're we're abstracting away from these zeros and ones. The, the current paradigm where we're at is we're now at the point to where natural language can abstract away as an interface from what we want to do technologically. So I could ask Alexa what the weather is. I could ask capacity, how do I connect to the VPN? So you, so you have that kind of path going. And if you think about where we're heading ultimately with that, I think the, the natural language processing is the penultimate interface before we get to the final interface of thought, being able to think your question and have it linked directly back into an AI system. We're not there yet, but that will be, that will be on the horizon. So that's kind of one, one thing that's, that's happened. The, the other thing that's happened is companies have moved their systems of record from these on-premise server in the back room kind of setups to the cloud. And everybody thought, wow, if I've got my CRM in the cloud, I've got my docs in my cloud, I've got my help desk in the cloud, all my problems are going to get solved. And it turns out that these systems of record are not great systems of engagement. And so you end up with Salesforce instances that are really bloated when somebody just wants to go add a quick note to a particular particular contact. Or you end up with people having to dive through you know, folders and folders and folders on SharePoint when really they just want to ask the question into the policy and go get their, get their answer back. So you've got the abstracting away of these interfaces to where natural language is now prominent. You've got everybody moving their stuff to the cloud. And then with cloud connectivity, you could put a natural language interface on top of it. But with the advent of what's happening from an, an automation perspective, you might have a process that cuts across multiple systems. So if you think about onboarding a new team member, you might be scheduling something with their calendar, sending the documents out of the cloud drive. You might be updating information in the HR system. So you, it's not just working in one system. It's a workflow that cuts across the different areas of the, the company. So that's another, another thread that's going on. Mm -hmm. Lastly, if you look at the history of automation itself, 
think of automation as really just like a, almost like a proxy for human labor, right? So when the car came out, yeah, I mean, they actually, I mean, they still talk about cars in terms of horsepower, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? It was literally the, the power of the car is measured in how many horses you replaced, right? You, you fast forward till where we're at now, up until recently, most automation was replacing physical labor, right? Taking that horse to this place, or you think about all the, everything in a construction site, all the physical labor that's now being done by mm -hmm. machines. What's happened with AI is if, if, if you think of AI as simply put software that learns and applies patterns, then we now have the ability to not just outsource physical labor, but to begin to outsource cognitive labor. So an example of this might be even in our own product, the AI can answer a lot of questions, but we still have tickets that get created in the help desk. It used to be that if a ticket went to the help desk, somebody would have to completely write out the entire manual response. Now we can go into the AI and say, make this longer, improve this response, summarize the three questions above this. And so we're taking what used to be human labor, human cognitive labor. We're saying, hey, I think an AI can start to take on some of that. Yeah, that it's, it's fascinating. And obviously you, you both have been in that world for a while and it's starting to become a bit more you know, new to me, but it's just, it's fascinating. And of course, especially with the audience that I talk to a lot, one of the first questions that comes up based on fear is, this is going to just replace my job as an assistant. There, you're no longer going to need an executive assistant in an organization. So what would you say to assistants who are, con who are concerned about their jobs being replaced by AI and automation? Yeah, I mean, I'd say there was a prescient book that came out a few years ago called The Leader Assistant. <laughs> yes. That talked about how we are heading toward a world where if you if you're not using an AI to to better augment and improve your job, you will get replaced by an AI. And when that came out, that was a very controversial and very minority opinion statement at the time. It was it was borderline provocative. I would go as far as to say because at that point, very few companies were using AI's day to day. Now. The number of executives I've seen in the last six months who are completely rethinking every single role in their company, they're now saying, if I don't have an AI-enabled support function for every single part of the org, we're falling behind. So I think the words of you either work with the AI or the AI replaces you mm -hmm. are absolutely, absolutely prescient today. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And and I know, Jeremy, that you've talked about this before, and obviously in the book, but I, I completely agree from day one. I mean, our, the value of an assistant and value of an EA is not in our ability to retrieve information, or in our ability to answer repetitive questions. The it is to make better, in my opinion, it's to be that strategic thought partner. It's to help lead up to your executives. It's to be that leader assistant and help them make decisions and help lead other people in the organization. And that's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I think that that's spot on, Hallie. And I think that the point of the AI taking our jobs and, and all that, I think it's really the, it's, it's kind of the wrong question. I think the real question is you should be asking if you're an executive assistant is what is your job? Yeah. Like, what is my job? Yeah. And so one of the things I like with working with David is, you know, he 
talked about this for the last few years, but he basically said, Jeremy, your job is to help me stay healthy, stay married and stay in business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so when I, when I think about what's my job, that's my job is to help David stay healthy, stay married and stay in business. And I'm going to use tools like capacity or Zapier or whatever to help automate certain things along the way that help in all three of those areas. And so I'm, I'm excited to be part of the AI revolution and embrace it and automate before I'm automated mm-hmm. and all that fun stuff. And so I think that it's, it's just for those listening, you know, that are hesitant, jump in, try it out, sign up for the chat GBT beta, sign up for, you know, Google Bard or whatever you say it yeah. and just, just try it out, you know? Yeah. I agree. The other thing I was just going to add to that is gravity naturally pulls on all three of those. You don't naturally stay healthy, Mm -hmm. right? Gravity pulls you toward that bucket of ice cream and not working out and not getting sleep and not, not getting rest, et cetera. Gravity pulls on your marriage when you have a startup and you're growing a company when you're traveling all the time. Gravity pulls on business. Businesses change. Business is fragile. Business is hard to do. So you're not starting from rest on all three of those. There is a force that is pulling on all three of those by default. And so a good EA coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to help you stay healthy. I'm going to help you stay married. And I'm going to help you stay in business. That's not starting with statics. It's starting with dynamics from from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that so far cannot be automated. The, the parts of it can, right. But not the, not the full, the understanding the whole person and understanding, you know, all of the complexities of that person's life and how things, you know, making judgment calls about where time should be spent. And so that I, I think that's where the EA role is going in many ways is going to be just, it's a higher level role <laughs> to a certain degree. And and I'll add to this, I, Jeremy, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one, but I think a lot of people think about EAs in terms of time management. Mm -hmm. Like I, as the EA, I'm going to help my exec get more out of his or her time. And and I think that's part of it for sure. And I don't want to discount that. But, But I actually think that energy management is just as important, maybe more important, because we all have 24 hours in a day. Nobody can add or remove that but how we spend them and the energy we can apply. Mm-hmm. When someone is in a heads down create creative mode, it's a very different mode of operating than when you're in a leadership organizational development type mode versus when you're in a sales prep mode versus when you're in a planning set. Like These are all different modalities in which an executive needs to be able to move, mm-hmm. sometimes between throughout the day. And so- Part of the EA role, in my perspective, is not just making sure all the meetings are lined up and, and in place, and I, 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 you know, get to the get to the chapel on time, sort of thing. But it's making sure that I, I'm at the chapel with the right person. <laughs> I'm managing the energy I have toward that particular endeavor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, awesome. What are you guys working on next? Yeah, so we have been going very deep in terms of applying AI in an omni-channel way. And when we started out, we were put capacity into Slack so it could start answering questions over IM. 
We added Microsoft Teams. We've since added email. And we've now just recently added SMS. So you can actually text the bot and the bot can respond, respond back. When I think about the, the next layer, we have been pushing very hard on plugging directly, not just into your email support box, but on top of your email itself. Mm. So if I send Jeremy a question, hey, Jeremy, how do I, how do I register for these benefits? Even if that was already in the bot, when Jeremy pulls up the email to respond, it will actually inject the answer directly into his Gmail or directly into his Outlook. And so we're making it so that we, we think email should be highly automated with technology like this. Another thing we're seeing is that EAs in particular have so many just requests for travel, requests for frequent flyer numbers, requests for scheduling, requests for personal health data, all, all, all this sort of stuff. And so we, we're working on a package for capacity specifically targeted for EAs who can come in and say, okay, I've got the top 250 questions every executive asks from, you know, you name it, A, a to Z. And so instead of you're a new EA joining a new organization, you should be able to get the answer to that, you know, that content pack and then be able to start automating a lot of what, what you need to go do. That is amazing. I'm very excited yeah. to see all of that stuff stuff come out. And I'll be keeping an eye on what you guys are doing because it's very exciting. And I really appreciate you spending the time with me today. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Hallie. And I, I'll just say like we, you know, as David alluded to, we've been working so much on kind of the broad platform and all the different elements of the platform. Now we're excited to go deep. And one of those use cases is with EA. So we're, we're hoping that we can share more about that in the coming days. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.